Hi, this is Mike Howe from Metal Church, and you are listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, and you are listening once again to Focus on Metal. As promised on last week's show, we have got a packed show for you this week. And speaking of last week's show, if you haven't caught it yet, go back and check out episode 331, Richie's interview with Jimmy Bell from House of Lords. But as I said last week at the end of the episode, I said this week was going to be another packed episode, and indeed it is. We have got not one, but two great guests this week. First up, Richie will be talking to Kurt Vanderhoof of Metal Church. Those guys just released their brand new one, Metal Church Classics Live, coming out via our friends over at Rat Pack Records. If you haven't picked that one up yet, make sure to head over over there and grab yourself a copy. They got some nice bundles and as usual, good deals there. And Richie does a really nice job of running down uh, even some of the song breakout by the album and all that. So you kind of know what you're going to get by the end of this interview with Kurt. So great job from Richie on that one. And following up behind that is uh, Richie had a chat with uh, Jarvis Leatherby. We've had Jarvis on the show before. Richie hung out with them last time they were in Boston. And uh, this time, caught Jarvis on the road, on the tour bus, in fact, and had a pretty cool discussion with Jarvis. And, you know, Richie's always like that Mountie, hunting down the man. And uh, we had been trying to get Jarvis on the show and having no luck with the PR companies. But uh, Richie decided, you know what? Screw it. I've got Jarvis's number. I'm going to give him a call, see if I can make this happen by myself. And he did. So uh, that's how we ended up getting Jarvis on the show this week. So a nice talk with Jarvis all about what's going on with Night Demon and uh, their brand new one, Darkness Remains. And again, another great one to pick up. Be sure to go and pick that one up for yourselves. Uh, just those guys keep putting out some really, really great albums. And speaking about great albums, what do you say we uh, kick back and enjoy a track of the week? Track of the week this week comes to us from Accept. I don't know what you're thinking. What do you mean, Accept? How are we doing the Accept deal? They don't have a new album out. But uh, in fact, they've got uh, four of them out. They uh, they did a re-release back last month of some classic Accept albums. Uh, I'm a Rebel, Breaker, and uh, Restless and Wild, as well as their self-titled one. So great stuff there. And uh, those are available all over the place now. So uh, pretty cool stuff here. You know, it's got some remixes in there. Got some new liner notes as well. Some bonus live tracks on there. So just really cool stuff. And I should mention that the live tracks that are included on these albums are actually performed by Dirk Schneider. So if you're a big Accept fan or if you're a new Accept fan but hasn't gone back into the back catalog, this is probably a good opportunity for you to go and grab those albums. So again, that's a Restless and Wild and Breaker, I'm a Rebel, and of course a self-titled one as well. So good stuff. So track of the week this week. I just figured, you know, there's a lot of great tracks on there, but uh, I'm going to go with a title track from Breaker. Rolling just like thunder, trying to get you down. Misleading everything you 
There you go. Track of the week from Accept. And I know some of you out there are probably saying, well, they do have a new album out or albums. And they, I, I do agree. They do have the uh, the double disc Restless and Live set that was released recently. So uh, there, there you're right. Just not a new studio album. Don't get technical on me now, metalheads. So as I said in the beginning of the show, two great interviews this week. And we're going to kick it off with our conversation with Kurt Vanderhoof, the, uh, one of the masterminds behind the band Metal Church. Hello. Is that Kurt? Yes, it is. Hi, Kurt. Richard here from Focus on Metal. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm all right. So you back on the West Coast? Oh, yeah. Just waking up. It's coffee time out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm on my lunch break here. So Yeah, right on. Yeah, so it's nice to talk to you again. Um, I actually was hung out with you backstage at the Newark show with, uh, when you were out with Megadeth at the end of last year. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, so I'm sure you met about a million people last year. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen. <laughs> yeah, so that seems... So you be, try to remember everybody, so... I know. That seemed to be a great tour for you to be on. That was awesome. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we were really, hopefully, uh, keep going keep going with those kind of tours. Yeah. So, like, you have Mike back in the band now a little while, and you have the album out, you got the live album just came out. Have mm-hmm. the, ex- the expectations you had when all that started, have they been far exceeded or has it gone according to plan, do you think? Well, uh, to a certain degree, it would call according to plan, but the, the plan was to far exceed what we had been doing. <laughs> so so it's a little of both, actually. I mean, when Mike came back to the band, we knew it was going to be a much bigger deal and the band was going to do a lot better and, you know, do, do much bigger things and, you know, be a, a better band. So having said that, you know that, but that's all good. You know that's all. It was all, yeah, yeah, a little of both actually. So yes, <laughs> yeah. So like you got a lineup change now. I know Jeff played recently left. Um, yep. How did you end up getting Stead Howland in? Did you actually know him? Uh, no, Steve, our uh, bass player does. He okay. Was in, where he was in a band with him for a while when uh, Metal Church took a break. Back a few years ago, he was in uh, Where Angels Suffer. Okay. Yeah, so he won. He suggested him, and it was a perfect fit. So, yeah, so like, I, you probably don't look at all the comments on Blabbermouth and all that, but when anything like that happens, they all, all the some of the fans always try and say, "Can you get one of the older guys back in that was in like that lineup with Mike?" Um, do you ever want to go down that path again? Do you keep in touch uh, well, with those we, guys? We talked. Yeah, we talked about. I mean, Kirk Arrington is not healthy enough to do it, so that was that was the only other drummer there was. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no there's uh yeah he couldn't get there kirk wasn't an option okay all right so you got the live album out now um the classic live album out on rat pack uh, were, were you a fan of live albums growing up like were they a big part of what, what you listen to oh absolutely definitely you know kiss alive you know i mean the live album you know unleash in the east you know it just goes on and on and on all that stuff absolutely humble pie great live been my favorite you know live album grand funk live and the Who Live at Leeds, my, a couple of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah. So, like, how relevant do you think live albums are these days? Do you still think they have a place in, in you know, for fans? Well, I don't know if other people think so, but I think they're more relevant than ever because everything now is so fake. Everything now is so digital. Everything now is so edited and pro-tooled. You don't know. I mean, you can hear a band, you know, you get a CD and you listen to them and may sound good and everything like that, but you have no idea if they can actually play because you can fake everything now. And most modern records and modern bands and stuff like that are so, you know, 
digital, you know, digitized and so just, you know, completely Pro Tools albums to death that they have no feel. They have, you know, all the drums are re-triggered and sampled and made perfect to the click and guitars are edited perfect. You know, it just goes on and on and on and on. So an album, a live album like our album, this last thing, which is, you know, it's not really an official live album. I mean, it is, but it's uh, we just kind of did it for the fans and kind of a collector's thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's well, it's raw, it's rough, it's not perfect, and we like it that way, you know. And it's, I think, it's more important to keep some kind of live human element in rock music, not just metal, all rock, all music, where it's so. To me, it's even more important nowadays to have that because so much of modern music now is just so fake that it's just not even worth listening to. So. When did you decide to do this live album? Like, was it thought back? Did you think long ago to do it, or like, because you have the logistics? Oh no, this one. You have no, the logistics was, with it, so you know you got to. Are you going to do one show? Are you going to do multiple shows? What way are you going to no, do? No, this it? was just because we were recording. You know, a lot of the shows we did in Europe, just because you can. That's a, a good thing about digital is you don't have to have a whole a truck full of equipment to record stuff now, which yeah. is cool. You know, so we just recorded the shows. We wanted to record the shows, and we thought. Some of this is pretty good. We could put out a we could put out a live record. Okay, <laughs> so that was as far as it went, you know. So, yeah, like it definitely sounds raw. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll give I'll give you that. It sounds like there's hardly been any touch ups on it whatsoever. And me right. as a fan, I love that. I hate live albums where the crowd is fake. You know, everything is fixed. It yep. does it does sound it just sounds like this is this is came right off the mixing board here. Put it on the CD and well, for the most part, it did. For the most part, it did. Yeah, and I don't. We don't even know where they all came from. I mean, a lot of you know every show, you know all the tracks and everything were all the shows. Some of them weren't labeled, so we don't even know. I mean, we did the Rock Hard Festival, but that was something else again. So we had all the other shows around that, and then another trip over. So some of the stuff wasn't even labeled. We don't even know where it was all recorded. (laughs) So, you know, so 
that was pretty much it, you know. Yeah. So, and that's what we wanted it to do. We wanted it to be rough and raw, and you know, and some fans who you know who don't get it, they're so used to listening to, you know, I don't want to call them fans, but people have you know have are so used to having you know, all these you know totally perfect pro tool to death records, even ones that they call you know, air quotes, live records, you know, this is, this sounds like this. It's like, no, it's supposed to sound like that. <laughs> it's a live record. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so we're very, very happy with it. It's a good documentation of the return of Mike, you know, and, you know, it's something fun for the fans and we like it. So, you know, that's, that's, we're pretty happy with it. Yeah. Was it tough to pick the songs on it? Because I'm sure you played a lot more songs live yeah. than we're on that are on this CD. Yeah, I mean, we went through the ones where that, you know, we wanted to do some of the older stuff, you know, to kind of document that because we got, we're working on a new album right now. And, you know, as we move along, we want to play new stuff. So we wanted to kind of document that era type of thing. So, yeah. So the songs kind of were, we kind of wanted to do the older stuff, you know, and concentrate on that. Yeah. So we can move, kind of move on to newer stuff. Yeah. I do want to ask you about like the, the songs that are on the record. Like I, I, I grouped them all by album and just to share quickly your memory of maybe writing the song or recording the record. So like the first song on, on the album is uh, Beyond the Black off the mm -hmm. debut album. Like what are your memories of writing that song? Do you have anything that stands out for you? Yeah. I mean, that whole first album was just a bunch of kids, you know, full of a lot of energy and excitement. And we didn't know what you weren't supposed to not do. So we didn't know anything about, you know, we just were having fun. And I think that's why the first album, everybody likes that so much because that's, you can hear it. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just a bunch of, yeah, we're just a bunch of kids full of energy going, ah, you know. So I have a very fond memories of the first record, you know. Then then we got signed and then we got into the major labels and then we had to start spending, you know, millions of dollars, not millions, but all this money on producers and, you know, three months to make the record. We made that record in two weeks, you know. And because we didn't know what we were doing, most of it was played live. Then we mixed, you know, it wasn't even two weeks, you know, 10 days, I think, you know, yeah. and then, and I just really kind of been wanting ever since to get back to that, but it's a little harder these days to do that. <laughs> so, you know, so yeah, my fond memories of the first album were just, you know, we didn't know, we didn't know what not to do. So we just did it. You know, yeah. we just went in and played live and there you have it. And writing the songs, we, you know, I wrote, you know, the riffs and stuff. You know, because we didn't have the writing tools that we do now. So I just, hey, guys, I got this riff, you know, and here's these, these parts, and we made songs out of it. And Yeah, okay, cool, yay, go. You know, <laughs> that's how we did it, you know. Yeah, and you got you got two songs off the dark on it. You got Start the Fire and Watch the Children Pray. Is any yep. of those songs, were they easy to write, tough to write? Well, that's when things changed a little bit. I mean, so it was a whole different animal then. I mean, it was great because we were signed. We were internationally known at that point, so it was exciting. Like, you know, at that age, I was like, cool, I'm achieving my dream, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, but then the recording of the record was completely different because we had a producer and we spent three months on the record and blah, 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 blah. You know, it went down that road, which was cool in one aspect, but to me, everything after the first record kind of went down the wrong road in some ways, not necessarily song wise or anything, but just, we did it the corp air quotes, corporate way, you know, everybody loves those records and I still like them, but just from the inside of things, you know, I wish we just could have been left alone, but you can't, yes. <laughs> you know, you know, rec major labels and you start listening to people and our producer was English and looked like Jeff Beck. So he must know what he's talking about. You know, it's just like, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, just, and you know, then, then the business entered into it. 
Yeah, because you know, got, and then it was bum, 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 then all is all out the window. <laughs> yeah, and then you got a couple of songs off "Blessing in Disguise." I do want to talk to you about "Fake Healer." Um, you got Todd Latore on that. Did you? Do you know? You must know Todd, do you? Oh, we do now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was well. He uh, he was a fan apparently. You know, when he was growing up, so it just made perfect sense. And he's in Queensrÿche, and they're up the road in Seattle, so it was just like that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. you know so it was just literally something like that and i think he sounds killer on it when that second verse comes in it's like whoa you know that's yeah. like wow that sounds really fun i mean it, yeah, it was a blast he's a really good guy hell he's of a great singer oh he's amazing i think he's perfect yeah. fit for that band now he really i think is. he's better than jeff yeah. well <laughs> yeah i agree well the, as jeff tate now yeah you know? yeah. yeah yeah so well, what's your memory of recording the, the track badlands or writing it do you have any memories on that one I have memories of writing it in the attic of the house I was living in with a little four-track cassette thing that we used to have, you know, and then I remember going through, you know, and tracking it, and we recorded it in Philadelphia, and uh, I remember that it was really tough to get the right sound, and I still don't think we quite got it, but we've lived with it now, but it was a really tough one to capture the vibe. So I rem- I do remember that, and I-, I do love the song. I do think the song's great, but I do remember that was a tough one to record. three songs off the human factor on it now i personally love that record me too i think it's the best of the of the other than the first record yeah it came out at just the wrong time in the 90s that's metal church's story yeah like like a lot of bands like that that album i think is really really solid from top to bottom so like is the the three songs that are on on the album can do you have any memories of writing any particular one that stands out I, well, I remember having a really good time. That was the first album 
that Mike and I actually wrote together, you know, because, you know, he had, he came and he was the new guy on Blessing. So it was kind of like, you know, we hadn't established our thing yet. So when it came time for Human Factor, him and I started our collaboration at that. I mean, we did collaborate on the first one, but it officially collaborated on Human Factor. And that was great. And that's how we redid the last, um, that's how we did 11. Yeah. So you got a couple of songs off Hanging in the Balance. I'll be honest with you, I hate the album cover. <laughs> oh, God, that's the worst album cover in the history of rock. Yeah, we talked to Mike last year, and he mentioned that like one of the business decisions that he hated at the time was that album cover getting approved. Oh, God, well, see, by the time Hanging in the Balance came, you know, that was just like, I was out of the band. Obviously, I was out of the band on Blessing, but I was involved in the writing and stuff like that, as you know. So... You know, when I look at the cover of the Human Factor, I'm like, what the hell is that? Same thing with Blessing. I'm like, what the hell is that? You know, and then human, then Hanging the Ballads came along, and I saw that, and this was all after the fact for me. You know, I'm like, you know, and I was, again, not in the band, so that really wasn't my deal. And I looked at that, and I was like, oh, my God. That guy, Blackheart Records, just they just, they killed the band. You know, the record, the songs on that are great. Mike and I really love the songs on that record. The record sounds horrible, and that cover is the worst. Yeah. The worst. You know, and it's just, you know, that's what happens when you get with management and people that don't know what they're doing, you know. Yeah. And they, it screws up the band. You know, the band had no leader. Uh, you know, the management and everything don't know what, you know, just, to, well, the history speaks for itself. Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, like, do you ever think you're going to do anything from the Ronnie Monroe era again live? Because I'm a personal, I personally love the albums he did. I think A Light in the Dark is fantastic. Do you ever think you'll post off any of those songs at all? No, I'm, no, no, not, I, no, no. We're going to move forward with Mike. I don't want Mike to have to learn somebody else's stuff. I mean, he did the David Wayne stuff yeah. when, uh, when he joined the band, but we're not going to make him sing the Ronnie Monroe stuff. No, we got too much other stuff to play, you know, especially if we're writing new albums. Yeah. You know. So. so no. <laughs> you did mention your right. How's that for an answer? No, that's no. fine. That's fine. Yeah. So I'll tell you, Kurt, honestly, God, sometimes I won't get an answer out of people for that. They'll say, oh, maybe and never say never and all that. So, you know, at least you're being 100% honest. Well, yeah, I wouldn't do that to Mike. Hey, Mike, sing these Ronnie Monroe songs. Like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do that. No, he's got his own history with the band and we're writing new songs with him in it. No. it's a, And also, you know, it, it's. You know, no, I'm not going to have him sing that stuff. He doesn't sing that way, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do, do you have a Do you have one of those albums that you did with Ronnie that you, you know that really stands out to you? That's your favorite. Uh, I, I think I think Generation Nothing is is my favorite of that era. The final one. Yeah. Okay. So of course you said you're writing a new record with with Mike. Uh -huh. how, how's that going? Like how far along in the process are you with that? Oh, pretty far along. We've got a big pile of songs going. So now we're weeding through them and, you know, organizing them and editing them and finding out which ones are really kicking ass and which ones aren't. So, you know, I've got about 20 new songs sitting there in a big pile and uh, we're, we're sorting through them. Excellent. You know, putting, vo putting vocals on them and listening to them like, okay, this rocks, this doesn't rock, you know, this kind of thing. So, yeah. So f final question, Kurt, um, did you know, did you have a relationship at all with Paul O'Neill who passed away last month? Oh, very much so. Yeah. He, uh, him and I met and became friends, uh, during Hanging the Balance. And he would agree with all the things we just said about that record. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a shocker. I mean, that, I'm still having trouble believing that. Yeah. 
I just, because I, you know, yeah, I mean, he was a really good friend. He was very good to me. Trans-Siberian Orchestra was very good to me. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I just can't believe, I just can't believe it. I don't, I don't, I don't even know why. I don't think everybody, anybody, or at least they haven't let it out of what happened. So, I don't know. Yeah, the, I think I the, the, you look on social media now, the outpouring of emotion about his passing was, like, overwhelming. There's so many people yeah. that... Not only did he touch personally, but with with the TSO stuff that he did, because that show went from ver- being very small to this mega thing now every year. It's a huge event. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like, and I, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know. I don't. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Like I did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. Not yet. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, we're all getting up there, but wow. You know. Yeah. So. Anyway, Kurt, listen, I'll leave you go to enjoy the rest of the day. So can, can, what are the, the what sites can people get you on? Give all the, the Twitters and all the, the Facebooks. Oh, yeah, all it's all it. the Metal Church stuff, all the Metal Church social media and all through Rat Pack Records, Facebooks and my own website and my own Facebook and all that stuff. So Yeah, and you got you got more tour dates coming up this year? Are you going to yeah, Europe we're going to Europe in June. Europe in June for a month, and then we're uh, playing Chicago Open Air in July. And then we go back to Europe for a couple of weeks, and then we're playing Prog Power in September. Yeah, is there any any show you've done with Mike since he came back with the band so far that's been special for you? Um, boy, I'd have to say Vakken. Oh, nice. Yeah, a few people at that. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple. Yeah, there's that's a, they're getting a pretty good crowd. Someday it might be a big festival. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing that sells out before they even announce who the bands are. Yeah, it's because it's for the event. Yeah, you know, it's it's the event. It's not yeah. the events, you know. Yeah, I got to get there some at some stage in my life if it's still going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Kurt. Well, I'll leave you go. Enjoy the rest of your well, day. Well, nice chatting with you. You have a good day. You too, Kurt. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. So up next, we have our chat with Jarvis Leatherby of Night Demon. This is Jarvis Leatherby of the band Night Demon, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. <laughs> We've had Jarvis on the show before when the last album came out. Those guys have been touring like crazy and all that. But, of course, all that hard work has been rewarded as uh, they have now moved up to the big leagues. They are now signed to Metal Powerhouse Century Media. And they put out their first release with those guys with Darkness Remains. And as I had alluded to earlier in the show, we had tried getting a hold of them and seeing we could get them on the show. We tried it with the label contacts and PR and all that and just wasn't getting anywhere and as I said, Richie just decided one day, just said, fuck it. You know what? I've got Jarvis's number. He said, call me. I'm freaking going to call him. And uh, he knew that those guys were going over to Europe like within days. And uh, the window was closing to get him on the show. So uh, as luck would have it, caught him on the tour bus. Had a great chat with Jarvis, given all the scoop was going on with Night Demon right now, past, present, and future. So great job from Richie. And why don't we get into that right now? Hello. Jarvis. Richie. How you doing? How are you, my friend? Is this a good time? It's a great time. We're driving to the gig. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, I know you got a record release party tonight. Yeah, no worries. I know you're off to Europe on, when, are you going Wednesday? Yes. Yeah, so I figured if I don't get you now, you're going to be over in Europe, and God knows when I'm going to get you, because you're probably over there for Absolutely. two months. So. Yeah. yeah, you're right, you're right. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad you reached out to me. And, you know, my door is always open. So. Yeah. So, so, all right. So, let's get into it, Jarvis. So, okay. I saw you guys on the 28th of April in Boston. And I interviewed you in, at the show. And you said the album, the, the Darkness Remains album, was done. 
So what the fuck took so long to get it out? <laughs> Did I tell you it was done or it was done being written? No, you told me that the album was done. Had you, had okay. you Was it only written then or had you actually recorded it? We had recorded most of the music by then. Okay. We actually went back in later and, did, and added two more songs. Okay. Um, but, you know, the touring was in the way, but that wasn't the real issue. The real issue was, you know, politics being on two different record labels mm-hmm. and trying to figure out an, an actual solid release date where we can do something around it that would make sense touring-wise, you know? Yeah. So basically the, the idea of that was, you know, we got offered this Anvil tour this year. We had, well, first of all, we were going to South America at the beginning of the year. We had not toured South America on Curse of the Damned yet. Okay. So we wanted to do that, and that basically closed that album cycle. Then the Anvil tour came up after that, which was us main support for Anvil in the States, and basically giving some lead time to the album and releasing two singles during the course of that tour. So it's kind of a setup for the record. Then we go to Europe, basically start the tour the day the album comes out and play a bunch of festivals and club dates there before we return. So that's the the long short of it. Um, but, you know, I mean, honestly, I feel, I feel like it's the right time. Like, I don't feel it's too late. Uh, we've just had so much going on with, 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 uh, with the touring end of it, you know, and, and it was worth it for us to do, definitely, to be able to, I mean, we really crammed the last record home, you know, I mean, a lot of people got to see it multiple times and get familiar with it, so I felt like, you know, be, when you're in a band at our level and, and you're not, you're not world-renowned, you know, you're not, you're not known on, on a global scale completely, um, you know, it's, 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 it's unfortunate when you when you make such a great album to to be forced to to quickly do something new and quickly do something again, you know, because then you end up with this whole back catalog of great songs, you know, and then you end up on your fifth release before people really know who you are, you know. So so it was good for us, and and I think we made the right decision, and uh, you know now it's uh, it's no slowing down at all. Yeah. Now, of course, you got our man John Anthony in as your new guitar player. I'm interested to know now. I've heard I've heard the album. What new influence did he bring in that you, that weren't in the band before? Well, not so much anything influentially, but playing wise, talent wise, and the ability to just to make the uh, the the possibilities almost limitless. Uh, the skill level is very high with him, so that's that's mainly what it what it is. Um, uh, the majority of the the songs have been have been mostly written prior to that. Yeah, majority. So. Yeah. But you know, he also some information that a lot of people don't know is that when we started the band years ago, we wanted to be a four piece, and we asked him to be the second guitarist. But he wasn't available. Um, but you know, he has also produced the first EP and Curse of the Dams. So he's been with the band since the beginning, really. Uh, just not on stage. So, yeah. uh, so it, it, it was a it was a a nice transition. Yeah. Did he get involved in the songwriting for the first record at all, or was did he just capture the sound of the band? Yeah, just 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 the sounds, and you know, 
a part of some of the guitar solos, you know, like like getting involved with production ideas for that and different uh, working out working out those solos. He definitely had a lot to do with that. So I guess yeah, melodically, sure. Yeah. So let, let's get into a couple of the songs on the album. The one I definitely want to touch on is the title track. Very different mm-hmm. for you guys. It's like Savitz Planet Caravan, in in Absolutely. a way. And um, I'm just thinking, like maybe with Armand in the band, maybe you might have even gone in that direction. Would that be fair to say? Mm, not necessarily. I I written the song before he was in the band. Okay. Uh, but uh, I definitely we were struggling prior to him being in the band, uh, making the song. You know. So I definitely think it's a strong possibility. Uh, but, I mean, I'm sorry, I, let me rephrase that. It's not a strong possibility that we're going to go in that direction. I mean, it's just, for us, it's just a song, you know? I mean, uh, and I'll tell you, okay, so I'll give you the inside track on it, so this may make more sense to you. If you listen to Curse of the Damned, the last song on there is a song called Save Me Now. Hmm. And it's a very a- AOR-type song, you know, there's keyboards in it and stuff, and uh Actually, on the original version, there's a key organ through the whole song, but we ended up taking that out. But anyway, you know, that song was definitely a, a departure from the rest of the album, in a way, you know? It, uh, and so we kind of thought that was a cool way to, to wind that album down. And with this one, we just started, I guess we kept with tradition, you know? It was like, let's make the last song on the Night Demon albums always a little bit different than everything else. Let's make it more epic, and let's like really wind down the listener and close it out. So, I mean, it was definitely planned. Yeah. So, has anybody said that Dawn River, the beginning of it, sounds a little bit like Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner? What song? Is it Dawn? Um, is it Dawn Rider? Sorry. been reading things here and there about <laughs> Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner and Power Slave, both of those, and I can't, I think people maybe talk about the Power Slave album, because I don't know anything that sounds like that song, but they've been actually saying other songs, not that song, 
Okay. So I don't know. I mean, what part specifically? You know, the, the, I the, mean, the, the, the verses, the very begin, the beginning of it, and then the verses. If you listen to Rhyme of an oh. Ancient Mariner, it sounds a little bit like that. Now, and I'm not saying that well, in a negative hey, way. It's a con- all oh, this no, is a compliment. Listen. Yeah. No. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, the one, the one thing about our sound, you know, which, which, which is. Uh, you know, we've, we've came out from the beginning said we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Uh, but a lot of people do say, you know, they listen to our music and go, okay, I hear this, and I hear this, and I hear this, and I hear this. But I don't hear it. You know, it's not a plagiaristic type of thing. Um, I guess just, you know, you listen to something so much, and it just seeps in, you know. I mean, I've found myself before writing songs where I will actually play an exact riff of something I hear, and I'll listen to it. Later on, I find out, I'm like, whoa, crap, you know? Like, it, it seeps into your subconscious, I suppose. Um, but that's cool, yeah, and thank you. That is a great compliment. Obviously, you know, we have a song about that band on our record, yeah. so yep. uh, we, we got no problems with that comparison. You know? Yeah, do, do, you, do you see a lot of bands out there now, because you're, you're obviously touring a lot and you're on festivals, that have your sound, or are you, are you just a bit of an anomaly out there now? Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't. And it's funny because we talked about it a couple of years ago. And we, we at one point, when we knew something was happening, you know, you could kind of feel it uh, with us. And uh, we were thinking to ourselves, man, this, is, this could be good. Like, this could really spawn a lot of bands like this, you know. Uh, and, you know, I definitely have seen a lot of people out there talking about it and having the idea to do it or trying to put something together. You know, people that I know and respect in the industry, you know, guys and other bands and stuff. Uh, but I don't, you know, there's a, there's a band out of the UK called Amulet that uh, they're, they're probably, you know, we both started at the same time too. We always thought like, hey, we're the Diamond Heads, they're the Witch Finder, you know? Like, yeah. uh, they have much more of that kind of sound. But, but, uh, I think I think they're in the underground heavy metal scene or the wave of traditional heavy metal or whatever you want to call it. You know, we're definitely in that fraternity and we're like ambassadors of that scene. And there's, I do like the diversity between it. They all have a classic feel, classic sound. You know, high spirits, I would kind of put them a little bit in that realm. But I, the one thing that I'm noticing is that, you know, we're more of a street band. You know, we're not... Um, I mean, I love '80s fashion and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, I'm you know, I grew up like like you know wearing that stuff way past when it was cool to even. But it just seems like a lot of the band what what keeps some of the throwback bands, I guess if you want to call them, what keeps them novel and what makes them a novelty is that kind of fashion sense, almost like where uh, you can't you know I, we know it's 2017. You know what I'm where I'm trying to get here? Yeah. Like, I mean, we still love all the heavy metal cliches. I mean, you know, lyrically, we're not ever, we're not really straying too far from that. Um, and imagery on stage, you know, we have a big stage show with lighting and smoke, and we have, you know, uh, satanic imagery here and there, and just dark and evil stuff, you know, and a cool logo and all this stuff, <laughs> you know. So, so we're, so we're totally, I mean, I mean, we're, we're into it. And, you know, we love when the fans, 
All right. Well, you know, the inevitable, it's cell phones and tour buses and all that good stuff. So a brief dropout with Jarvis. And I thought, hey, why not take advantage of this little gap and uh, play another track from Darkness Remains? This one's called Life on the Run. Goddamn cell phones. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. That technology, though. But, yeah. uh, that, okay, so that, let's pick up where I left off. So yep. basically, you know, my point with the whole thing is that um, I see a lot of newer bands playing. They gravitate, when you're talking about classic or traditional metal, they gravitate more towards, you know, the high, the really high-pitched singing, total shred guitar um style of the 80s, which is cool. I mean, I like that. I can't even sing that high, so maybe I'd be doing it too, you know? <laughs> so I'm not judging here. But but to answer the question honestly, like, I I don't see a lot of the, you know, uh, I don't know, I guess the toughness, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. As- aspect of it or, or the grittiness of it and uh, just the rock and roll, you know? Um, I guess that's the best way to describe it. But I'd love to see it. And I feel it coming on, you know. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be the only ones doing it, you know. Uh, but but we still have a scene to play, which is cool. Like this, you know, all this, all this, these metal has so many different subgenres. It's crazy. People just, I mean, you can create your own almost, you know. And uh, but across the board, I think there's mutual respect for it, and there's something to be said about diversity, you know. Uh, it's, I mean, and that's what makes things like death metal. A, and extreme metal so difficult sometimes because you you know you have you go to a six band package and it's, it's you get a lot of the same you know yeah so uh, I think it's I think it's good I think it's good uh, with what we have going on I do I do dig the diversity and you know anybody at any point can pick up and do something like this I mean we did you know yeah so the other the other thing I love about the album is it's ten songs it's just under forty minutes long and I I love that. Um, did you only write 10 songs, or did you actually write more? We only wrote 10. We've never, ever written a song that hasn't made it on an album. Okay. I mean, that's the, we don't, we've never wanted to write any throwaway tracks, ever. I mean, that's, uh, 
with the with the deals with the record labels now, it's like they all want these bonus tracks so they can do different editions, sell more records. You know, like hey, the CD's going to have this song, the vinyl's going to have this song, the MP the MP3 download's going to have this kind of thing. You know, hmm. but you know, I was listening to like the last Priest record. And it was like a twelve-song album with five bonus tracks, mm-hmm. and I liked I liked three of the five bonus tracks better than some of the album cuts. And I'm like, well, man, what if I never would have got this? And like, does this not belong on the record? You know, the other thing I don't like is is um, I think it screws with the flow of the album. I mean, like I, I was just talking about. I mean, there's a certain sequence of the way we write the songs, you know, and it has a lot to do with how it's put together. Some of the uh, some of the songs were written later on purpose because of that because we had to join everything together so it's it's written in the in the sense of it, it's from start to finish it's 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 supposed to be that way that's how you're supposed to listen to it so there's that aspect of it um but you know so with with the bonus track thing i mean in our deal we were pretty straightforward and said look you know we'll never we can never really get ever give you any original content you know so we'll, we'll give you a demo a live track a re-recorded track of a classic song that we've written or a cover song and we've been sticking with the covers you know i mean we, we love covering new songs so i mean that's been a cool thing for us Yeah, we generally, if a song starts out and it's it's a turd, you know, it's it's it stays in the toilet. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's not even, you know, I mean, that's that's pretty much the way. You know, Metallica never did that either, and uh, and I think that's cool. You know, I I think anything that you want to put out there, you want to be able to uh, have it stand on its own and, and be like official. You know, and that's the one problem I had with the EP. For some, I mean, I think that that might be some of the best stuff we've ever done. You know, we knew it when we when we wrote it, um, and it's still true to this day. But you know, for some reason, just because of the fact that it's an EP, you know, it doesn't have as much reach as as these other records. 
And, you know, people like just now are discovering Curse of the Dan. You know, they haven't heard the new record. But now, every day, it seems somebody discovers it. It's like, oh, man, this is so cool. And, like, then they, they talk about the record and these songs and stuff. It's like, man, well, when did these guys get out do this, you know, ever? And it's like, well, listen to the what came before it, you know? Like, those, some of those, we still play three of, three of the four songs live every night off that EP. And, uh, you know, it's just the fact that it's an EP. It didn't get reviewed in a lot of publications either because of that fact. It's not that people didn't like it. They just, there's, there's standards or rules, I guess, with that kind of thing. So, uh, so, you know, it's, 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 it's just interesting. We, you know, we, we had discussed re-recording the songs for the full length because now we're like, okay, now we're on a bigger label with, with more distribution. And, you know, you know, the EP is essentially a demo was recorded in a day. So, you know, okay, now we have time to really focus on these songs and, and all that. But, you know, there's a magic on the EP that's not going to be recreated. And we understood that. So we treat it as, as, as its own release. And, you know, we toured off it for a couple of years. So, um, you know, I mean, those would have been great bonus tracks. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, but again, I'm just, I'm just not a fan of it. I think, you know, you, you kind of, you're in a certain moment in time in your life and, and that's that and when you create something that needs to be its own sacred thing. Yeah. It, it's interesting, Jarvis, you bring up the, um, the track listing, the way you, you set it out to kind of go all through these different moods. When you're trying to write a song to fit into that, can it be a little bit forced because you're trying to write a mid tempo song or a fast song or a slower song? Most can, can that be tough to most, do? Most definitely. Most definitely. And some of the stuff on, on this, it was like lyrics came first, which is also a challenge. But if you can write to the mood of that and make the music sound like that, that's a, you know, when, when you, when you can accomplish it, that's one thing that is like the most gratifying thing ever. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a, we, there's a trilogy on the, on the album. The first, Welcome to the Night, Life on the Run, and Darkness Remains. Those three songs, it's a three part story. So we released the first video for Welcome to the Night, which is part one. So, I mean, we, we consciously wrote a storyline there. We wrote, we wrote a movie script about a year and a half ago, uh, like a full-length feature. We just got, I mean, we worked on it for a long time, you know, and on tour we would discuss it every day. We would have, we had like 10 rewrites, uh, you know, but we had, you know, I had a professional writer, you know, work on it with us at, after, you know, we had concepted it. You know, we had a director, we had a production team kind of set things up. And, you know, the labels just didn't, they didn't see the, a, good, a good enough reason to get behind it. On the, you know, movies are, are, not, are not cheap to make, you know, um, even on a budget, you know. So, uh, so we ended up making a three-part story kind of in this, um, this album. And, uh, we wanted to, uh, kind of implement that video, you know, and I remember they asked, I remember I got a question back label that said, why? <laughs> like I, serviced them the I serviced them the treatment and the script and all this. Oh, this is great. But why? <laughs> well, I was like, okay, well, here's why. Like video is not only the future, it's the now. I mean, I know how our fans they listen to our music on YouTube. They just go there to even listen to it, you know? 
So let's give them something to watch, you know? I mean, people are on their phones all day watching YouTube and watching video content on social media. So let's give them something, you know? And, like, the stuff that we're writing about is, like, pretty cool shit, you know? I mean, if you're into metal or you're into horror, let's it's, it's all there for you, you know? So we have the ideas for it. Um, so we've just been trying to find a way to implement it, you know? I mean, we've always been a DIY band. Uh, and we've always done things on our own terms, and we've done them on on our own. You know, we don't ask the label for money. We don't beg them for stuff, you know. Uh, they're there to swing the big hammer when it counts, you know, for sure. Uh, but, we're at, you know, we're out there distributing their albums. We're selling the records every day, you know. Uh, so, you know, we have a good, we do have a good partnership with both of our, our record labels. I mean, we really do. And they appreciate all the work that goes into what we do and, and vice versa. And they seem to work harder the harder we work. Uh, but, you know, if, if they're going to have ownership of the product, you know what I'm saying, of, of the video, and they're going to be able to monetize it and stuff, and they're going to own it, and they're going to own the masters, then I expect them to step up financially with we, what we want to, pull the trigger on a project you know what i'm saying yeah so what, what so, you did, what you just talked about there jarvis actually leads into my final question for you now when i sat yeah. down with you last year you said you had like a one-year plan and a three-year plan and a five-year plan and and it got me thinking the right. next time i talked to you i was like how do you measure success then the way the music industry is now like what's your definition of success if you have all these oh, goals and you know, I I think achieving the goal is the success, you know, whatever that goal is. I mean, some people, you know, not everybody has to be a touring band, you know. I mean, some people like to play music just for fun, and that's fine. Uh, some people want to play it to make money. I mean, I guess that's okay if that's what you want to do. Um, but we do it for survival, you know. I mean, this is life. Today is today. You know, we obviously make future plans all the time, you know, uh, but you got to live in that moment. You got to live for today because if, you know, if you're not enjoying it while it's happening, you know, and it's, and it's gone one day, I mean, you're That's like a, a huge regret there. Uh, but I honestly, for, for me, uh, you know, people say that this is, that, that rock is dead and this, this kind of medium is just a thing of the past. Uh, and, you know, I disagree. I mean, it's not for me, you know. Uh, I'm I'm out here doing it every day. I'm not rich by any means monetarily, but uh, I'm definitely satisfied because I'm pursuing my own goals and my own dreams in life, and I'm, I'll, I'll stop at nothing to get it. You know, this thing, that's the one thing. Once you get rid of the fear of being told no, you can get told no a hundred times and still persist and, and, and do what you got to do to get it done. You know, once you can get in your mind, you can tell yourself in your head and believe it that you're unstoppable and that you're just going to keep going no matter what roadblocks get in the way. It really becomes an enjoyable process, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, I used to have a, a real job, you know, and uh, uh, I... You know, I, I got paid a lot more money, but I've honestly never been more financially secure in my life, ever. I've never felt this kind of financial freedom. Like, I really don't worry about stuff, you know? Like, my our lives are a lot more minimal, and when we need something, we just get it, you know? And, and, and it's just, 
it's, it seems to work out that way, you know, if you keep going. And it's funny because there's not like, there's not like some big thing that happens, you know, like we, we, we get asked to do a lot of stuff these days, but for the first few, three, four years, we got, we didn't get asked to do anything. Nobody ever asked us to do it. I mean, maybe two or three things, you know, we got asked to do, even getting signed to a label, you know, we were the ones pushing that. So, um, you know, people think that we're lucky and all this and luck really has nothing to do with it. It's just intent, you know? Um, but, and it's funny cause you can always look at any opportunity and know where it came from. Always. You know, you can say, Oh, well, if I didn't talk to this guy, which gets me to that guy, you know, I wouldn't, it, this deal wouldn't be going down, you know, or, or whatever. So, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. And I think in the music industry, People just don't ask enough. The people are, a lot of, you know, America has flipped this false sense of belief in the people about being celebrities or being rich. You know, a lot of people want to be rich just so they could do nothing. They want to have enough money so they could do nothing. I mean, that's, what kind of life is that? You know, <laughs> like, it's crazy, you know? Um, but I, I just really think that, uh, you know, people have this idea of this of being fame, this fame, where like they they go out, they think they have a talent for something, and they go out, they do their thing, and they just they're waiting to be discovered. They're waiting for some, you know, Mister Big to walk in the room and whisk them away to this magical wonderland of caviar and mansions and Ferraris, you know, and and they they'll have handlers and and this kind of stuff, you know. But it's like, that's just not, that's, you don't really get far in life with, with that kind of stuff. And usually if it happens overnight, it's a pretty bad thing, you know? With the experience that you gain from it daily, I mean, that's where you get the gratification. And that's how you're able to handle things, to be honest with you, Rich. Because, like, if some of the opportunities that we get these days, if that would have happened five years ago, I would be like, freaking out you know like what are you kidding me we're gonna do this you know like i don't know it might have been too overwhelming you know it might have been too much you know yeah but but just you know and like i manage other bands too and like you know i try and i try and do the best i can for us myself managing the band but i mean you're only as good as your guys are too you know you have to be on the same page as everybody everybody has to have the same vision you have to communicate regularly and it doesn't matter, even if you're the guy running the show, you've got to be out there changing the tire when, the, when, the, when, the, when you get a flat on the road, you know? Yeah. you got to get your fans dirty, you know? So I think that's the biggest thing that people have a misconception about. And I think it's, 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 hard. it's hard in rock and roll because it's such a, uh, it can be such a, it's such a glory ride, you know? But at the same time, there's just so much involved you know, and that people just, they don't want to do the work. And once things don't start going their way, they start not believing in themselves and they give up, you know? So I think the worst thing you could do is ever give up. Yeah. You know, once you give up, you have no chance at all. You have no chance. Yeah. So if you're out there doing it, you still have a chance. Yeah. So you got a record release party tonight. You, you playing the whole album live? The whole record from front to back. Even Darkness Remains. We're playing that song. Excellent. There must be a breath of fresh air for you after playing Curse of the Damned hundreds of times. Oh, tell me about it. It was a little <laughs> scary at first, though. It was, you know, honestly, it was scary at first because we started to play these songs, a couple of them live, and we're like, wow, these are kind of difficult. You know, we're just not used to them. The muscle memory is not there. And some of the things I, I was, I was like, man, I don't even know how I, 
sang, and I can't sing and play this at the same time, you know? So I had to learn that, too. I had to learn that. But, uh, yeah, it's a relief, man, and, and, and we're looking forward to, uh, to, to mixing all these songs together that we have in this catalog now and, and doing, some, doing some cool shows. Nice, nice. Well, I'll leave you go, Jarvis. Enjoy the uh, record right, release friend. party. Hope it goes well. It will, man, and I appreciate the call, and it's really good to hear from you. Sorry no we missed you this last time. No, no problem. Uh, but, uh, you know, like I said, my door's always open, so if you ever want to chat or whatever you got, cool. you got any ideas for anything, or you need anything from me, hit me up, okay? All right, Jarvis, take care of yourself. All right, brother. All right, good night. All right, bye. All right, my friends, that will do it for yet another episode of Focus on Metal. Once again, big thanks to... Uh, Kurt Vanderhoof from Metal Church. Be sure to go and pick up their new one, Classic Live. Again, you can get that right from Rat Pack Records. Great bundles. I know I got one that's got like guitar picks and stickers and all signed and all that. But those guys always come up with some great bundles. Always have some more things available. So again, you can go to Rat Pack Records. That's R-A-T-P-A-K and do that. Or of course, on Amazon or all over the place, you can get that. So again, though, support Metal Church. Go pick that up. And uh, good way of saying thanks to Kurt for uh, coming on Focus on Metal. And then, of course, have to give a big shout out to Jarvis Leatherby as those guys are trudging through Europe right now as they bring their Darkness Over Europe tour over there. And if you're listening to this on the day that this episode comes out, they should be in Warsaw, Poland. And then, of course, on Friday of this week, they will be at the Up the Hammers Festival in Athens, Greece, and then a few more dates left as they hit Germany for a whole bunch of dates, and that'll be uh, so yeah, Germany, and all the way through uh, the, we've got the Rock Hard Festival on the 4th of June, then a few more dates in July over there as well, you can hit nightdemon.net for all of those dates, and then uh, for those of you guys in the US, they'll be back in October for the Frost and Fire 3 Festival and I'm sure that in the meantime, they'll be announcing some more US dates, because those guys, they are road dogs they love to tour but if you're unable to see them live then of course you want to uh, pick up their brand new one Darkness Remains and I know you're asking yourself where can I get this Darkness Remains well one good way to do it is to go up to nightdemon.net right there on the page as you go there there is purchase options for picking up Darkness Remains all kinds of ways to get it so do yourself a favor and pick that one up and support Night Demon. That's uh, one of those classic metal bands doing it the old school way on tour and just really doing it themselves. And of course, I'll just throw out the usual stuff we say at the end of every damn show. You can keep up with us at FocusOnMetal.net, FocusOnMetal.blogspot.com, over on Twitter as well as Facebook. But that's it for this week. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This metal pig is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, Have yourselves a great metal week, and as we always say, focus on metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.